The Adventures of Jerry Muskrat by Thornton W. Burgess. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 6 Farmer Brown's Boy is Puzzled. Farmer Brown's boy was whistling merrily as he tramped down across the green meadows. The merry little breezes saw him coming, and they raced over to the smiling pool to tell Billy Mink. Farmer Brown's boy was coming to visit his traps. He was very sure that he would find Billy Mink or little Joe Otter or Jerry Muskrat or perhaps Bobby Coon. Billy Mink was sitting on top of the big rock. He saw the merry little breezes racing across the green meadows, and behind them he saw Farmer Brown's boy. Billy Mink dived head first into the smiling pool. Then he swam over to Jerry Muskrat's house and warned Jerry. Together they hunted up little Joe Otter, and then the three little scamps in brown hid in the bulrushes where they could watch Farmer Brown's boy. The first place Farmer Brown's boy visited was Jerry Muskrat's old log. Very cautiously, he peeped over the edge of the bank. The trap was gone. Hoorah! shouted Farmer Brown's boy. He was very much excited as he caught hold of the end of the chain which fastened it to the old log. He was sure that at last he had caught Jerry Muskrat. When he pulled the trap up, it was empty. Between the jaws were a few hairs and a little bit of skin, which Jerry Muskrat had left there when he sprung the trap with his tail. Farmer Brown's boy was disappointed. Well, I'll get him tomorrow anyway said he to himself. Then he went on to his next trap. It was nowhere to be seen. When he pulled the chain, he was so excited that he trembled. The trap did not come up at once. He pulled and pulled, and then suddenly up it came, all covered with mud. In it was one little claw from Little Joe Otter. Very carefully, Farmer Brown's boy set the trap again. If he could have looked over in the bulrushes and have seen Little Joe Otter and Billy Meek and Jerry Muskrat watching him and tickling and laughing, he would not have been so sure that next time he would catch Little Joe Otter. All around the smiling pool and then up and down the laughing brook, Farmer Brown's boy tramped, and each trap he found sprung and buried in the mud. He had stopped whistling by this time, and there was a puzzled frown on his freckled face. What did it mean? Could some other boy have found all his traps and played a trick by springing all of them? The more he thought about it, the more puzzled he became. You see, he did not know anything about the busy day the minks and the otters and the muskrats and the coons had spent the day before. 
old grandfather frog sitting on his big green lily pad smoothed down his white and yellow waistcoat and winked up at jolly round red mr sun as farmer brown's boy tramped off across the green meadows chug-a-rum said grandfather frog as he snapped up a foolish green fly much good it will do you to set those traps again then grandfather frog called to billy mink and sent him to tell all the other little people of the smiling pool and the laughing brook that they must hurry and spring all the traps again as they had before this time it was easy because they knew just where the traps were so all day long they dropped sticks and stones into the traps and once more sprung them then they prepared a grand feast of the good things to eat which farmer brown's boy had left scattered around the traps End of chapter six chapter seven jerry muskrat makes a discovery the beautiful springtime had brought a great deal of happiness to the smiling pool as it had to the green meadows and to the green forest great-grandfather frog who had slept the long winter away in his own special bed way down in the mud had waked up with an appetite so great that for a while it seemed as if he could think of nothing but his stomach jerry muskrat had felt spring fever in his bones and had gone up and down the laughing brook poking into all kinds of places just for the fun of seeing new things. Little Joe Otter had been more full of fun than ever, if that were possible. Mr. and Mrs. Redwing had come back to the bulrushes from their winter home way down in the warm Southland. Everybody was happy, just as happy as could be. One sunny morning, Jerry Muskrat sat on the big rock in the middle of the smiling pool, just thinking about how happy everybody was and laughing at little Joe Otter, who was cutting up all sorts of capers in the water. Suddenly, Jerry's sharp eye saw something that made him wrinkle his forehead in a puzzled frown and look and look at the opposite bank. Finally, he called to Little Joe Otter. Hi, Little Joe. Come over here, shouted Jerry. What for? asked Little Joe, turning a somersault in the water. I want you to see if there's anything wrong with my eyes, replied Jerry. Little Joe Otter stopped swimming and stared up at Jerry Muskrat. They look all right to me, he said as he started to climb up on the big rock. Of course they look all right, replied Jerry. But what I want to know is if they see all right. Look over at that bank. Little Joe Otter looked over at the bank. He stared and stared, but he didn't see anything unusual. It looked just as it always did. He told Jerry Muskrat so. Then it must be my eyes, sighed Jerry. It certainly must be my eyes. 
It looks to me as if the water does not come as high up on the bank as it did yesterday. Little Joe Otter looked again, and his eyes opened wide. You are right, Jerry Muskrat, he cried. There's nothing the matter with your eyes. The water is as low as it ever gets, even in the very middle of summer. What can it mean? I don't know, replied Jerry Muskrat. It is queer. It certainly is very queer. Let's go ask Grandfather Frog. You know he is very old and very wise, so perhaps he can tell us what it means. Splash! Jerry Muskrat and Little Joe Otter dived into the Smiling Pool and started a race to see who could reach Grandfather Frog first. He was sitting among the bulrushes on the edge of the Smiling Pool, for the lily pads were not yet big enough for him to sit on comfortably. Oh, Grandfather Frog, what's the matter with the Smiling Pool? They shouted as they came up quite out of breath. Chug-a-rum! There's nothing the matter with a smiling pool. It's the best place in all the world," replied Grandfather Frog gruffly. "But there is something the matter," insisted Jerry Muskrat, and then he told what he had discovered. "I don't believe it," said Grandfather Frog. "I never heard of such a thing in the springtime." End of. Chapter Seven. Chapter Eight. Grandfather Frog watches his toes. Grandfather Frog sat among the bulrushes on the edge of the Smiling Pool. Over his head, Mister Redwing was singing as if his heart would burst with the very joy of springtime. Tra la la lee, see me, see me, happy am I as I can be, happy am I the whole day long, and so I sing my gladsome song. Of course, Mister Redwing was happy. Why shouldn't he be? Here it was, the beautiful springtime, the gladdest time of all the year, the time when happiness creeps into everybody's heart. Grandfather Frog listened. He nodded his head. "Chugarum, I'm happy too," said Grandfather Frog. But even as he said it, a little worried look crept into his big goggly eyes, and then down to the corners of his big mouth, which had been stretched in a smile. Little by little, the smile grew smaller and smaller until there wasn't any smile. No, sir, there wasn't any smile. Instead of looking happy as he had said he felt, Grandfather Frog actually looked unhappy. The fact is, he couldn't forget what Jerry Muskrat and Little Joe Otter had told him—that there was something the matter with the Smiling Pool. He didn't believe it, not a word of it. At least he tried to make himself think that he didn't believe it. They had said that the water in the Smiling Pool was growing lower and lower. Just as it did in the middle of the summer, in the very hottest weather, 
now grandfather frog is very old and very wise and he had never heard of such a thing happening in the springtime so he wouldn't believe it now and yet and yet grandfather frog had an uncomfortable feeling that something was wrong ha he knew now what it was he had been sitting up to his middle in the water and now he was sitting with only his toes in the water and he couldn't remember having changed his position of course i moved without thinking what i was doing muttered grandfather frog but still the worried look didn't leave his face you see he just couldn't make himself believe what he wanted to believe try as he would chug-a-rum i know what i'll do i'll watch my toes exclaimed grandfather frog so grandfather frog waded out into the water until it covered his feet and then he sat down and began to watch his toes mr redwing looked down and saw him and grandfather frog looked so funny gazing at his own toes that mr redwing stopped singing long enough to ask what are you doing grandfather frog watching my toes replied grandfather frog gruffly watching your toes <laughs> watching your toes who ever heard of such a thing are you afraid that they will run away grandfather frog shouted mr redwing grandfather frog didn't answer he kept right on watching his toes mr redwing flew away to tell everybody he met how grandfather frog had become foolish and was watching his toes the sun shone down warm and bright and pretty soon grandfather frog's big goggly eyes began to blink then his head began to nod and then why then grandfather frog fell fast asleep by and by grandfather frog awoke with a start he looked down at his toes they were not in the water at all indeed the water was a good long jump away chug-a-rum there is something wrong with the smiling pool cried grandfather frog as he made a long jump into the water and started to swim out to the big rock end of chapter eight chapter nine the laughing brook stops laughing there was something wrong grandfather frog knew it the very minute he got up that morning at first he couldn't think what it was he sat with just his head out of the water and blinked his great goggly eyes as he tried to think what was it that was wrong suddenly grandfather frog realized how still it was it was a different kind of stillness from anything he could ever remember he missed something and he couldn't think what it was it wasn't the song of mr redwing there were many times when he didn't hear that it was grandfather frog gave a startled jump out onto the shore chug-a-rum it's the laughing brook 
The Laughing Brook has stopped laughing, cried Grandfather Frog. Could it be? Who ever heard of such a thing, excepting when Jack Frost bound the Laughing Brook with the hard black ice? Why, in the spring and in the summer and in the fall, the Laughing Brook had laughed. Such a merry, happy laugh ever since grandfather frog could remember and you know he can remember way back in the long ago for he is very old and very wise never once in all that time had the laughing brook failed to laugh it couldn't be true now grandfather frog put a hand behind one ear and listened and listened but not a sound could he hear. Chug-a-rum, it must be me, said Grandfather Frog. It must be that I am growing old and deaf. I'll go over and ask Jerry Muskrat. So Grandfather Frog dove into the water and swam out to the middle of the smiling pool on his way to Jerry Muskrat's house. It was then that he first fully realized the truth of what Jerry Muskrat and Little Joe Otter had told him the day before, that there was something very, very wrong with the Smiling Pool. He stopped swimming to look around, and it seemed as if his great goggly eyes would pop right out of his head. Yes, sir, it seemed as if those great goggly eyes certainly would pop right out of Grandfather Frog's head. The Smiling Pool had grown so small that there wasn't enough of it left to smile. Where are you going, Grandfather Frog? asked a voice over his head. Grandfather Frog looked up. Looking down on him from over the edge of the big rock was Jerry Muskrat. The edge of the big rock was twice as high above the water as Grandfather Frog had ever seen it before. I, uh, I, I was going to swim over to your house and see you, replied Grandfather Frog. It's of no use, replied Jerry, because I'm not there. Besides, you couldn't swim there anyway. Why not? demanded Grandfather Frog in great surprise. Because it isn't in the water any longer. It's way up on dry land, said Jerry Muskrat in the most mournful voice. What's that you say? cried Grandfather Frog, as if he couldn't believe his own ears. It's just as true as that I'm sitting here, replied Jerry sadly. Listen, Jerry Muskrat, and tell me truly, is the Laughing Brook laughing? cried Grandfather Frog sharply. No, replied Jerry. The Laughing Brook has stopped laughing, and the Smiling Pool has stopped smiling, and I think the world is upside down. End of Chapter 9 Chapter 10 Why the World Seemed Upside Down to Jerry Muskrat 
Jerry Muskrat sat on the big rock in the smiling pool, which smiled no longer, and held his head in both hands, for his head ached. He thought and thought and thought until it seemed to him that his head would split, and with all his thinking he didn't understand things any more now than he had in the beginning. You see, Jerry Muskrat's little world was topsy-turvy. Yes, sir, Jerry's world was upside down. Anyway, it seemed so to him, and he couldn't understand it at all. The smiling pool, the laughing brook, and the green meadows are Jerry Muskrat's little world. Now, as he sat on the big rock and looked about him, the green meadows were as lovely as ever. He could see no change in them. But the laughing brook had stopped laughing, and the smiling pool had stopped smiling. The truth is, there wasn't enough of the laughing brook left to laugh, and there wasn't enough of the smiling pool left to smile. It was dreadful. Jerry looked over to his house, of which he had once been so proud. He had built it with the doorway under the water. He had felt perfectly safe there, because no one, excepting Billy Mink or Little Joe Otter, who can swim underwater, could reach him. Now the smiling pool had grown so small that Jerry's house wasn't in the water at all. Anybody who wanted to could get into it. There was the doorway plainly to be seen. Worse still, there was the secret entrance to the long tunnel leading to his castle under the roots of the big hickory tree. That had been Jerry's most secret secret. And now there it was for all the world to see. And there were all the wonderful caves and holes and hiding places under the bank which had been known only to Jerry Muskrat and Billy Mink and Little Joe Otter because the openings had always been under water. Now anybody could find them, for they were plainly to be seen, and where had always been smiling, dimpling water, Jerry saw only mud. It was mud, mud, mud everywhere. The bulrushes, which had always grown with their feet in the water, now had them only in the mud, and that was fast drying up. The lily pads lay half curled up at the ends of their long stems, stretched out on the mud, and looked very, very sick. Jerry turned towards the laughing brook. There was just a little teeny-weeny stream of water trickling down the middle of it, here and there a tiny pool in which frightened trout and minnows were crowded. All the secrets of the Laughing Brook were exposed, just as were the secrets of the Smiling Pool. Jerry knew that if he wanted to find Billy Mink's hiding places, all he need do would be to walk up the Laughing Brook and look. Yes, sir, the world has turned upside down, said Jerry in a mournful voice. I believe it has replied Grandfather Frog, 
looking up from the little pool of water left at the foot of the big rock. I know it has, cried Jerry. I wonder if it will ever turn upside up again. If it doesn't, what are you going to do? asked Grandfather Frog. I don't know, replied Jerry. Here come Little Joe Otter and Billy Mink. Let's find out what they're going to do. End of chapter 10